0: Good morning. James started to pray, and I looked up, and my Bible wasn't here, and I thought, uh-oh, we have a problem. 1 John chapter 2, if you'll open your Bible with me to verse 18. We're going to look at 18 through 27. We're going to read 18 through 27. We're not going to get near that far today. We'll get the big idea, though. <clears> 1 <throat> John. 18 through 27. John writes, Children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us. But they were not of us for if they had been of us they would have continued with us but they went out that it might become plain that they all are not of us but you have been anointed by the holy one and you all have knowledge i write to you not because you do not know the truth but because you know it and because no lie is of the truth who is the liar I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you, but the anointing that you received from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you, but as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie, just as it has taught you, abide in him. Let's pray one more time. Father, we thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercies. They are new every morning, and we're grateful, Father that you have kept us, that you have redeemed a people for yourself, that you keep us, and that you have given us hope because your Holy Spirit has sealed us until we acquire possession of that final salvation that we await, O God. Father, today as your word comes forth, Lord, may uh, would you open ears to hear it, Father? Help me to proclaim it. I am a, a simple man, a sinful man, uh, tasked to proclaim that which is holy that is a daunting task, and I ask for your grace and your mercy, and I pray that you would give us ears to hear that, that you would work in our hearts through your word and produce fruit for your glory and for the sake of your great name. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I was thinking about, um, as I was kind of thinking through this, uh, I, I was thinking about, my mind went back to 1996, I was uh, uh, at Seminole High School. We were playing for a state championship, right? And as all football teams do, it's football season. A lot of you might be into that. Maybe you could care less. Either way. So what goes on is uh, uh, the team uh, either calls for for videos, right, of the team that they're going to play next, or they send out these spies, right? So I remember 1996, we were playing – we, we were playing for state championship, right? And we send out, we have guys going and fall around all these teams, right? We, we want our own films. And, and Seminole had these, these coaches from other sports that would go and just film everybody that was in the, in the finals, right? And so we, we, uh, we, they bring those videos in. We want to know everything about our opponent, right? We want to know their weaknesses. We want to know their strengths. We want to know everything about them. We, we, we want to know all the tricks they've got up their sleeve because we're going to war, right? We need to know who the enemy is, right? Um, Along the same lines, I think of Moses, right? As they approach the promised land and he sends two spies, Joshua and Caleb, into the land and he sent many spies, right? Only Joshua and Caleb come back with a good report, but uh, it's not God's time. Moses is not allowed to come into the promised land. And, and later, Joshua in Joshua chapter 2 would send two spies into the land, right? He tells them to go scope out the land, especially Jericho, right? And we know that wonderful story of Rahab who hid the spies and, and released them, and God preserved her, and she wound up being in the, in the uh, heritage of, 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 of Jesus, Point being, we need to know our enemy, right? We need to know uh, not the same way that we need to know our Lord, but we need to know the enemy and the tactics of the enemy. We need to know what we're up against. It's it's helpful to know what tricks are up the enemy's sleeve, right? And so what John what John has done here, right? As we learned last week, he says, "Do not love the world or the things in the world, right?" That's Satan is the god of this world. Satan is the prince of the power of the air. The spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, according to Ephesians 2. Right. He is the God of this world. And we're, we've been instructed recently here to, to not love the world. Right. We're no longer of the world. He's called us out of that. Right. We live in a, for a spiritual kingdom. Right. Ours is the kingdom of heaven. We are seated even now in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Ours is the kingdom of heaven. It is our new aim. Right. it is what we are to build, the kingdom of of God, to pursue the kingdom of God is what we are to love, the things that God loves. Right. We live for another kingdom, not to love the world or the things in this world. Right. Uh, If anyone loves the world, the love of the father is not in him for all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride of life is not from the father, but is from the world. Right. And, and, and that's that's what the evil one would 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 have to distract us with. Right. That, that's what that, that's what those who are in the world who are not in the kingdom, who love the world and who hate the father. There is no resistance to the desire of their flesh. There is no resistance to the desire of what they see. There is no resistance to the pride of life, the pride that would put themselves in the place of God over their own lives. So, as we look at the text today, I want to look at it under the, the, the title, The Enemy of Our Fellowship. And I, and I don't seek to finish this whole section. I, I want to lay a foundation and a groundwork to go forth in this section of, of, of the anti- Antichrist, right? Of the enemy of the people of God, the enemy of us who live in the world but are called to not be like the world, right? So, John here is cautioning believers. To be discerning john here is is calling us to be watchful and to test the teaching and the spirits that you would encounter to ensure that you are following the true faith right as john here we 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 have said several times right he is battling gnosticism by what all scholars would say that come into the early church. I think it was actually a pre-Gnosticism at the time he wrote this, but it was already coming into the church. And that is the the teaching as is, is I'll remind you that, that all spiritual good, all things of the flesh bad, right? It doesn't matter what I do in the flesh. It doesn't matter what I do in this life, in this world. It's all irrelevant as long as I'm spiritual, right? They denied Christ. They had a spirituality, but they, 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 they had a Uh, they they had a spirituality, but they denied God, they denied Christ, right? And this had crept into the church and this kind of stuff creeps in all the time and has been creeping in since the days that John wrote this letter. And so again, John is cautioning us uh, to be discerning, to be watchful and to test the teachings and spirits that we encounter to ensure that we are following the true faith, the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints, according to Titus. So Excuse me, Jude. So first of all, I want to look at the arrival of the last hour. The arrival of the last hour. He says in verse eighteen, "Children, right?" Uh, he's talking to us all. Again, this is not. Uh, he, he's he's talking to the he's talking to all who are children of God. James read that lovely verse from First John this morning. The that he has given us the right to be called the children of God. We who believe, right? This is. This is all of us children. It is the last hour. And as you have heard, the Antichrist is coming. So now many Antichrist have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. The first thing we see is the arrival of the last hour, right? The arrival of the last hour. Um, He means the last segment of time, the last portion of time from the coming of Christ until his return, Right, we saw it. I think in Ephesians chapter one, I believe it's verse twenty-one. Right, Jesus, who is highly exalted, right, is is uh, rules over this age and also the age that is to come. He's talking about an age, right? It is it is uh, this period of time from his coming until he comes again. It is the last hour. Sometimes it's 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 stated as the the last times or the last days. It is the last hour. He's not necessarily talking about a, a, a period of time on a clock, per se, right? Um, we have to remember, Second Peter 3, uh, 8 says, But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. Right? While God certainly works within time, God created time and is not bound by time in the way that you and I are. Right. God is above time while he does work in time. He is above time. And the time he is speaking of here, this last hour is not necessarily a specific time, but describes a period of time. Right. He says the last hour or the last hour began back in John's day. Right. He's writing in his own time that it is the last hour and has been growing in intensity ever since. Ever since John spoke this, that it is the last hour, that hour has been growing more and more intensely. There were ungodly false teachers in John's day, and during the intervening centuries, they have only increased, both in number and in influence. As we look through church history, we see this. There have been many anti-Christ. There have been many against Christ. There have been many heresies that have been dealt with within the church for, for many centuries, right? And they've only grown in the number of false prophets and they've grown in the number of heretical teachings and influences. The last hour or the last times are phrases that describe the kind of time, not so much a duration it is a time marked by faith in Christ's victory over sin and satan's hatred of this truth that is the last hour that is the arrival of the last hour sin has been dealt with right we can trust in christ we have been made new in christ by faith and we await his coming that's the significance of the last hour and it co- it conveys a particular urgency this last hour does Right? I, I like what Jesus said in John 9, 4, and 5. Jesus tells his disciples, if you remember, there's a man who was born blind. Right? And, and Jesus would heal the man. But before he did, the disciples were asking, well, why is he blind? Was it something he did? His parents did? Is it no. No, it's not for any of that. Right? But he says that we must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. He goes on to say, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Jesus had come to the world. Jesus was the light of the world, right? Darkness was coming, referring to the disciples. The apostles, his disciples would be left alone as he would go to the cross and a particular darkness would come over the earth. But we see in 1 John... Chapter one, back in chapter one, we saw this in verse five, but this is, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sins. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 would tell us that we are not children of the night. We are children of the day. We are children of light, right? The ministry of Jesus did not end on that dark night that he was crucified, but he sent his Holy Spirit to indwell his church, his people, who are now the light of the world as he is the light of the world, right? We are light bearers as we go and proclaim the gospel of Christ. His light is shining forth today through his messengers. Amen. His light is still going forth, right? There's an urgency for us as there was for Jesus to do the works of the Father while it was day before night came. There should be an urgency for us because night is coming. There's coming an end, right? Our days are short. We know it is the final hour for us. You never know when your last hour may be. Adam and I were talking about this before the service. You never know when your last hour may be. We may not make it home today. So we should have an urgency to do the work of Christ who has sent us to proclaim his excellencies, to proclaim his gospel, to love his church, to build up his church, to use our gifts and abilities within his church, to bring glory to his great name. Because our time is short. It is the last hour. There's an urgency on the enemy's part, I assure you, right? Satan does not know all things. Satan does not know how things will come about in the end, right? He is not all knowing. The only reason he knows the end is because God told us. Because he is as far as we know. Right? He's revealed it in his word. Satan is not sovereign. God is. He's, he's God's devil, <laughs> Right. Satan can only can only do what God will allow. God has set boundaries and Satan is urgent because he knows that the hour is short. He knows that his time is short. Right. He wants to distract us from our fellowship with God and with his people. Right. The hour is short and Satan wants to disrupt the fellowship of God between God and man and between man and God's people. He wants to disrupt this. He wants us to love the world. He wants our desire to be that of the flesh, the eyes and the pride of life. He wants to suck us back into what we have been called out of constantly. Right. It is the last hour and he is desperately. Is, and so we need desperately to cling to his word, right? To, 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 be, to be one with one another, to, to, to hold up the fellowship, to reach out, to, to live life together, to love one another, to draw from, from the grace of one another and the inexhaustible grace of Christ through the Spirit as He works through believers and through His Word and through prayer. But there is an urgency for us. Our time is short, right? We must do the works of him who sent us while it is day, not wasting our life away, as John Piper would say. Don't waste your life. Satan would like to get in our minds. He would like to attack us in ways that would have us going after again the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life so that it's taking away from our bringing glory to God. It is his desire to rob God of all glory. And it is our desire as believers in Christ to give Christ all glory. Right? To stand before him one day and our lives being filled with full of moments that were sought to bring glory to Christ. And not wasting our life on trivial things that mean nothing. That are distractions from the enemy. Let us have an urgency as we move forward, brothers and sisters. Let us have an urgency to do the work of him while it is day. Because the time's coming when we can no longer work. Let us fill up our lives with that which brings glory to Christ Jesus. Amen. Second, the enemy of our fellowship is the Antichrist. He says, interestingly, and as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, They've heard of this, which is an interesting fact because the word antichrist, even in the Greek, has not been used until now, right? John's the first to use this word antichrist, but this is not something that is foreign to the brothers and sisters that John is writing to. You've heard this, right? This is singular. This is a particular person. Antichrist means against Christ, has two meanings, against Christ or instead of Christ, that is probably better said against Christ or in place of Christ. You are either against Christ as an antichrist or have you have put yourself in the seat of Christ over Christ. That is to be antichrist, right? We, we hear about uh, the, the antichrist in three different ways. One, a spirit in the world that opposes or denies Christ. There is the spirit of the antichrist. That has been at work from the beginning. The, the very spirit that spoke to you, Eve, you can be like God. That has been at work since the beginning against God in the earth. That is a spirit that is that is that is the spirit that is at work in all those who don't believe in Christ. It is a spirit, right? Uh, number two, the false teachers who embody this spirit. We'll get to that in a moment. And number three, a person who will head up the world rebellion against Christ. There is a particular person in mind here, it's singular, anti-Christ, right? And these believers have heard about the coming of the anti-Christ. And where have they heard this? I won't go into flipping there or turning there. But in Zechariah chapter 11, verses 16 and 17, the Antichrist is revealed as a a false shepherd, an evil shepherd. In Daniel chapter 8, verses 9 and 11, the Antichrist is revealed as the one who would put himself in the seat of Christ. Right? He would make desolate. He would stop the sacrifices and he would make desolate the temple of, of God. It is a person. Jesus spoke of this same thing in, in, the, in Matthew twenty four, Luke twenty one, Mark four, in, in the Olivet Discourse. That there would there would there would be an Antichrist, right? The a, a, a lawless one, a, a son of destruction, that would take his seat in the temple and make desecrate the temple of of God. And we see in Second Thessalonians. We see in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, Paul talks about the Antichrist, which these brothers and sisters would have likely read. He says in verse 1, Now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to him, we ask you, brothers, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed either by a spirit or a spoken word or a letter seeming to be from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Every time we see the day of the Lord, it is a time of destruction that will come upon the whole earth. Every time we see the day of the Lord, it is it is the wrath of God being poured out upon the earth and the evil ones of the earth. It says in verse three, let no one deceive you in any way for that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first. And the man of lawlessness is revealed. There is the Antichrist. That singular man, the one whom Daniel refers to as as the as the one whom uh, the little horn would come out of these ten nations or ten ideologies, right? Uh, he is the one that Satan, that in Revelation thirteen, that that the dragon, that ancient serpent, Satan, will give his power to this beast. He is a singular man. He is the he is the man of lawlessness. And he will be revealed the son of destruction who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. He says, do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And you know what is restraining him now so that he may be revealed in his time? Something is restraining this, this evil one. Something is Holding back this evil one, it is my personal belief that that is the, the Holy Spirit at work in and through the church, right? Everywhere the church has gone, everywhere the gospel has gone, life has flourished. It is the church of Jesus Christ that is holding back evil in society. Uh, it, you go to an abortion clinic and you don't see sinners holding up signs. You see the church of Jesus holding up signs, pleading for the life of the innocent, it is the church who holds back in restraints through the power of the Holy Spirit. And you knew what is restraining him now so that he may be revealed in his time for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains it will do so until he is out of the way. There will come a time when the strainer will be removed and evil will go forth without restraint, without a restrainer. There will be nothing in the world. God will not hold back anything. He will allow evil to go forth in a way that we can't fathom. And then the lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth by bringing to nothing by the appearance of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders. And with all wicked deception for those who are perishing because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved, therefore God sends them a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false in order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth and had pleasure in unrighteousness. There is coming a man. And Satan has always had his man Satan knows not the hour. Satan doesn't know at what point all things will come together. It's it's, it's according to what God allows. Satan does not know the exact time that Jesus will come. No man knows. But God alone. But he is working his system. And we know what it looks like. Right? Right? We know what this system looks like. Matthew 24 begins talking, Jesus talking about uh, deception that is coming upon the whole world. Uh, And it coincides with the first seal opened in Revelation, a white horse and a man who has a bow in his hand. That represents a covenant. And he's given a crown, right? He's a deceiver. We know that what He will bring, the deception He will bring, is for peace and security, and it's a false peace and security. Right? Daniel 9 tells us about this false covenant. He will establish a covenant with many. We know that there will be wars and rumors of wars, Jesus said. It's the second seal that's opened up in Revelation. They coincide. As a red horse comes forth and He's given a great sword to kill and bring destruction. That is the second thing we saw in Revelation luke uh, uh, 21 and matthew chapter 24 is that there will be wars and rumors of wars and there have always been wars and there has always been rumors of wars but they are intensifying and there will be many in that time it starts with deception in the sense of false peace and security it's a good thing that they can't make the whole world believe a lie right now today right We see these wars and rumors of wars even today. Right? The, the, the third thing is famine that we see in Matthew 24, Luke 21. And the third seal that's opened up is a black horse and his rider has scales in his hands saying a day's wage for wheat for one person is the equivalent of that saying the denarius, right? Or, or a day's wages for three quarts of barley. That's enough to feed your whole family, though it's not nutritious. Famine. The fourth thing we see is pestilence in, in Luke 24, or, Luke 21, Matthew 24. The fourth seal that is opened up is a pale horse. And that horse is allowed to bring, that rider brings death. A quarter of the earth will die when that horse is released. And in 24, we see this pestilence, these earthquakes, all these phenomenons that will come. And a quarter of the earth will die. In Matthew 24, we see uh, this is all has to do with the coming of the Antichrist. The, 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 fifth, uh, the, the fifth thing we see in Luke uh, 21, Matthew 24, is this, is this great tribulation that comes upon the saints that live in that time. It coincides with the fifth seal. And when I saw the fifth seal, John says, I saw underneath the altar... Those who had been beheaded for the testimony of Jesus Christ and their prayers rose as a fragrance to God saying, will you avenge us? Will you avenge our death? It will be at that time in the opening of that fifth seal when the Antichrist will go into the temple of God. How that will happen, I don't know. There's not one. I assume there will be one. He'll go into the temple of God. He will claim himself to be God. And we know what his system will look like, a system that you have to take a mark in order to buy, sell, trade. It's, it's a good thing it doesn't look like things are going to a world-in-world world government, right? You will have to have that mark to buy, sell, or, or trade, so it's a good thing it doesn't look like there will be a one-world digital currency you got to have the mark to buy, sell, or trade. It's interesting that in some places in the world today, without a digital identity and vaccination proof, you can't buy, sell, or trade. The point's not to try to prove the Bible by looking at the news. The point is to read the Bible and read the news. Make of it what you will. But it is the last hour and there is an Antichrist. He is our enemy. He hates us. So we should watch. Be watchmen and realize that our time is short and cling to the word of Christ because in the end the hearts of many will grow cold. In the end, there will be more and more and more and more and false teachings and they're getting creative with them. We have to be watchful, right? Third, the many antichrist. There will be many, many antichrist. He says, it is the last hour and as you have heard that antichrist is coming, so now many antichrist have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour, right? Antichrist. Here is, is another way of saying false prophets, and we need to be able to recognize them. False teachers, false converts, liars, right? Then the Antichrist are many. Again, it means against Christ or instead of Christ. In other words, if you're not in Christ, you are Antichrist. They are many in varying degrees, from the simple non believer who is Antichrist because they do not know Christ to the Hitwards and Stalins and "mouse. Just greater degrees of their dedication to an evil one. Who are they? Verse 19 through 22. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they are not all of us. It's interesting how the most evil of Antichrist came from within the church a lot of times. Right up from within us, right? And why did they go out from us? Because they were never of us to begin with. It's, it's fascinating over the last several years to see uh, uh, some people of the faith, like that guy from D.C. Talk, Kevin Max, and people like uh, Joshua Harrison, some of these big-name people who were big-name Christians who wrote books and preached and taught, and you see them denounce their faith and go after lies. And it's like, what happened? Well, they went out from us because they were never of us. They were living a lie, playing the game, and they went out from us because they weren't of us. But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you all have knowledge. I write to you, not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, he who denies the Father and the Son. Who are these Antichrist plural? They're all who deny Jesus. We go back to the opening of the book, the doctrine concerning Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Anyone who would deny Jesus Christ is an Antichrist. Right? And how do they? It's amazing to me to think that they could be in the church. Right? How do they justify? How are they justified? I, against even against their own conscience. Right. And I think it, this, that many would look around and compare themselves to other people. Well, I'm doing all right. I think my good outweighs my bads. I think that runs rampant in many churches today. Right. The nature of these false prophets is this unholy trinity that Pastor James proclaimed last week. What is their nature? The desire of what they can feel. The desire of what feels good, of what looks good, and what would bring their their name great, right? That pride of life, what will make my name great? That is the pride of life. Where we should live to make much of the name of Jesus, right? These false prophets and deceptive teaching are running rampant in our world today. Right? The, the, thing, the thing from three years ago that just continues to build now is this woke ideology right? that has plagued the church. And, and many, some of you may not know what that is. That is this idea that if you're a, a, a minority group or an oppressed people group, that you somehow have more value than somebody who is not an oppressed people group. It, 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 it's like this. If you are a minority, black, Indian, Asian, then you're an oppressed person. And and, and you should have an equal outcome as, as a white person. Right. If you are female, you're an oppressed people group. You, you, sh- you have more value than a man is what they would say. Right. If you're a, if you're a gay or a lesbian, then you're an oppressed people group. Therefore, you have more value because you're an oppressed person. And then they bring intersectionality in it. That is to say, if you're a female, lesbian, and, uh, and, and oriental or black, then that's like three whammies. You're super valued. This crap made it into the church by people that I looked up to. <laughs> they were fighting in the church. Because of this ideology, by people who had been faithful for a long period of time, and they adopted this teaching as though it was doctrine and scriptural. How does this creep into the church? Faithful churches, right? In the twentieth century, the nineteen hundreds, right? These we started. If you look back in church history, that's it's never been regulative to see healing revivals and tent revivals until the twentieth century. And suddenly you see these big tent revivals that come into town and leave, right? Promising healing, and they bring all these packed out tents and this big crowd, and there's these healings, and they pack up and they leave and take their money with them. And it, it, it wasn't until around the 60s, 70s or so where their, their, their stick was kind of up, right? You couldn't hide it anymore. They brought the sick people with them. And nobody that came from the city to be healed was actually healed. And so it evolved, into this, uh, it evolved into this little God's doctrine, right? Maybe you're not familiar with that. There's people like Kenneth Copeland, Kenneth Hagen, Joyce Meyer, Derek Prince, Todd Lamb, I think is his name. Right? That would teach this this doctrine that we are little gods. That's the very temptation that Satan used to deceive Eve. You can be like God. But it's pleasing to the ear. Oh, I can be like God. Oh, I can call things into existence. Oh, I can have this power because I'm a little God. It's easy to fall for that when you desire it in your flesh and in your eyes and your pride. That's what these doctrines play on, right? And last new age. It's the very thing John's dealing with here. It's just repackaged. You don't have to worry. The flesh doesn't matter. Whatever's natural is not important. As long as you're spiritual. You don't need Christ. You don't need God. You don't need anything. Just you just gotta be spiritual. That is the new age thought. It doesn't matter how you get there, whether it's sorcery, right, which comes from the Greek word pharmakia, right? That whether you get there by some hallucinant or drug or or whatever, it doesn't matter as long as you're spiritual. I would submit that if you're not spiritual in the Holy Spirit, then you are spiritual in the spirit of the Antichrist. And how do we fight it? Ephesians 6. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual force of evil in the heavenly places. It's a spiritual battle. Right? Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm, stand therefore having fasted on the belt of truth. What is that? I, I'm a, I was, am still, was, kind of, i a ropes, ropes rescue technician, right? And when I would go jump off a 50 to 100 foot cliff or tower or, or be hung by a high line, you better... Bet yourself that I double and triple checked that harness that was around my waist to make sure that sucker was on tight. Adams jumped out of an airplane. I'm sure you double checked your shoot, right? Like, like, am I, am I good? Am I clipped on? Am I good? You need to have that same mentality towards that belt of truth. Are you rooted in truth? Is your life grounded in truth? When you go on about your day, when you leave your house, Heck, before you get out of bed, have you have you fastened that belt of truth and anchored yourself, right? To having put on that breastplate of righteousness. What is it that protects our vital organs from the antichrists and, and the evil of this age? What is it? That is the that is the protecting our heart, our vitals. Is that breastplate of righteousness? That is the righteousness of Jesus Christ remembering, remembering that that it is his righteous, not my own. And I continue to look to him by faith and my heart is freshened and, and renewed. Every time I think upon the righteousness of Christ. Right. He tells us to uh, put on the shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Our walk is one of the gospel of peace. It has brought peace between God and us. And we walk in that way, right? In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith so that we can extinguish the fiery darts of the evil one. When the evil one is firing the fiery darts, it is the shield of faith that we must take up. It is faith that pleases God. It is faith in God. It is faith that it doesn't matter what comes our way, that He is sovereign over the affairs of man and we trust our God. Because he is working all things for our good and his glory, amen? And so we take up the shield of faith. And it says that we put on the helmet of salvation. Again, how do we protect our mind? Through that saving message of the gospel of Jesus Christ as we remind ourselves of the sweet salvation that he has brought. What can steer my mind away from he who gives me such sweet salvation and who promises a final salvation? And the sword of the spirit, that offensive weapon, that is the word of God. We take up that sword, that offensive weapon, and we wield it in the, by the power of the Holy Spirit. As we proclaim his word, it is his word that is offensive against every defensive attack. We know the truth. If you abide in my word, Jesus says, you're truly my disciples. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You will be free. That's how we defend, right? We need, there's a need for vigilance. There's a need for discernment and adherence to true Christian teachings in the face of all deception. We need to be vigilant. We need to be discerning. We need to be following the Bible, right? In conclusion, this is a call for discernment and wisdom. The God of this world wants to distract you, to create anxiety in you, Anybody ever get anxious? Satan wants you anxious. He wants me anxious. He succeeds sometimes. Right? He wants to create anxiety in you. You need the word of God and the wisdom of the Holy Spirit gives to discern false ideologies and stand faithfully upon the rock Christ Jesus. This is also a call for unity and support. What unites us is the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ for we stand upon we stand upon the 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 upon scripture right because scripture alone is the highest authority we are saved by grace alone through faith alone in Christ alone to the glory of God alone that is what unites us brothers and sisters and so we stand in unity and support we are uh, we, we and we're few we must support one another with our gifts with our abilities with our services, with our prayers, and with our encouragement. And last, this is a call for prayer and reflection. John reminds us of the need for discernment and diligence in our faith. When we recognize the presence of false teaching and false prophets, we can be ready to stand firm in the faith and support one another, especially those weaker in faith, right? Be encouraged, brothers and sisters, by the soon coming of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And may we be rooted and grounded in the truth of God's word as we navigate through this life. If you don't know this Christ. You can know. Him. Right. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We all stand. We all stand guilty before a holy God and the wrath of God is coming. Night is coming. But you can believe you can trust in Jesus, right? For he he has fulfilled the law of God perfectly. He does stand righteous before a holy God and he grants us his righteousness by faith, right? And he takes our sin upon his cross if we'll believe in him. Jesus went to the grave and was resurrected as the firstborn from the dead. We have hope that we too will be resurrected and there will be a final salvation and we get to look forward to an eternity with Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your word. It is a lamp to our feet. It is a light to our path. Father, your word, it is sweeter than honey that drips from the honeycomb. And we thank you, O oh God, that you have given us your word. Father, I pray that you would help us to be a discerning people. As the days uh, seemingly get darker, as there is uncertainty in the world, may we as as your saints shine brighter and brighter And may we not be discouraged. May we not walk in anxiety. But may we walk in the the full understanding that you and you alone are sovereign and that we belong to you and for us and to us are heavenly riches beyond what we can fathom. That is what we wait for, Lord. We wait to see you face to face. We wait for your glorious appearing, O God. May we be encouraged May we be discerning, Lord, as we move forward, Lord. May we be watchful. May we not turn to the left. May we not turn to the right, O God, but grant us the grace to walk in the path that you would have us to go, Lord. Give us the grace to live a life that would bring glory to your great name. May we consider ourselves nothing for the sake of knowing you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray, amen.